Okay, I'm pretty sure we've all been learning lots and lots of facts this weekend about our Queen. So I've, I'm going to start with a little quiz for you all. No pressure. No pressure. There's no pass mark. Okay. Start with an easy one, I think. What year was the Queen born? What year was the Queen born? 19... 26. Beth, you might as well just come up here and answer them all. I know you're going to get them all. What month? April. Day? 22nd. Close. 22nd of April, 1926. Very good. Well done, Beth. Okay. How many corgis has the Queen had in her lifetime? Whoa. Hand up. Who wants to have a... Yes, Paul? 30. Very good. 30. Not all at once, but over the years. Okay. What is the new cake created for the Jubilee? What's the new cake? A trifle. Very good. What kind of trifle? Hands up. Come on. This isn't, you know, no shouting out the answers. Rosemary? Orange and lemon, yes, very good. It's a kind of uh, lemon and rose trifle. Very good. Exciting. Okay. How many staff does the Queen have to run her households? I say households, because she has many. This was crazy when I found this out. Anyone want to have a guess? Whoa, two and a half thousand. Okay. It's a little less than that, but it was not too far off. 1,200 staff she has to run, you know, run the bath, <laughs> keep, the, uh, keep the car running, all of that. How many public engagements has the Queen been at, and, uh, at since her coronation over the 70 years? How many events has the Queen sort of, you know, cut ribbons for? and uh, opened hospitals, etc. How many do you think? you have a guess? Very good, Peter. What was that? 20,000. It's 21,000 events she's been at. That's not bad. That's a, lot of, uh, that's a lot of ribbon cutting, isn't it? How many charities is the Queen a patron of? I believe it's over 600 over 600 charities. How many prime ministers have come and gone <laughs> under her reign? Prime ministers, it's a bit like vicars. They come and go, but we're here. Yep. 14, very good. 14, yep. Excellent. Okay, very good. You've all done very well. A bit of facts there for you. But you can see there's a mixture of the queen is certainly served, isn't she? But she's also very much a servant. Charities, events, public engagements. Actually, it's said that um, uh, about 30% of the population can say that they've either met her or been at events in her presence. That's quite a lot, 30%, I'd say. Uh, so she's out and about. She serves. She is loved by her people because of it, I think. Whether you're a massive fan of royalty or not, I think it's fair to say 
that we would all admit that she's been a good queen, that she has served her people well. And that's because I think she represents so much of what the Bible says a monarch or a ruler ought to be. That reading that we had, that the greatest in the kingdom of God is not about lording it over people and seeing the people as there to give you power. Actually, according to the kingdom of God, it's actually much more that the ruler and the monarch is there to serve the people, to protect to provide for, to watch over and look after. The people do not keep the ruler in power, but rather the ruler keeps the people. We've had so many examples in this world of bad kings and queens, haven't we? Where actually they don't care for people, but use the people. But it's not like that in this country, or it's not like that with our monarch. And I think that's because we've had so, so many centuries of gospel and Christian teaching and ethos in our country that is now embodied, and we expect that of a monarch. And therefore, when we celebrate uh, the queen, it's from a genuine sense of our hearts. And that's so important, isn't it? Because we have a God that we don't serve out of fear. He doesn't command us, have a jubilee and put little flags in our hands and says, wave them or else. We have King Jesus, whom we just love to sing, Hosanna. And we would wave the palm branches and we would lay down our coats for him. We would do things for King Jesus because we know he loves and serves us. In fact, we know that, of course, because he lays down his life for his people. Those are the best rulers, aren't they? Those are the ones that win our hearts. Those are the ones that actually fill us with joy and blessing. The ones that we know care for us and so therefore bind us all together in love and unity. Did anyone watch the, uh, the, the party last night at the palace on TV? Uh, whether you enjoyed all the music or not, there was uh, something for everyone, I think. But uh, Prince Charles got up and he gave a speech. I thought it was quite moving, actually. And he said these words, he says, um, about his mum, his mummy. He said, I know what really gets my mother up in the morning is all of you, ladies and gentlemen, all of you watching at home represented here tonight in this great audience. I thought that was a powerful statement to say that what gets the queen up in the morning is her thought of serving us. And I think we could say that the same is true for Jesus. Well, we know the same is true for Jesus. He lives, the Bible says, he lives to intercede for his people. He gets up every morning. I don't know if he falls asleep or not, actually, but he gets up every morning. And what gets him up is the thought of being and loving and serving his people, you, you lot and me. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus is the standard then of what it means to be a king or a queen or a monarch. He comes as one to serve, not to be served. I know most of us at this time of year always look forward to going on holiday, maybe having a rest over the summer. 
And sometimes you, you might think, I'm going to go on holiday to this place, or I'm going to uh, go down the beach, or I'm going to go to this restaurant I love. And you just you look forward to it because you think, I just need a bit of time of being served. A bit of time where I can put my feet up and let others do the hard work kind of thing. And that's good. That has its place, doesn't it? We all need that. But as the Bible reminds us, as Jesus reminds us, it is better to serve than to be served. And although we need to be served from time to time, and we do serve one another, I wonder what is at your heart? Is your heart, is your life's goal, your craving in your heart is, I just want to be served. (laughs) I just want people to look after me. Or is it your heart and at your core? I just love to see others do well. I love to spend my energy and my time making sure others flourish, not just me. Depending on that is where your heart is with God. Because we know what God's heart is all about. He loves to serve. He loves to help. The most... um, so I keep going on about um, the documentaries and the TV program. I haven't been watching the TV all weekend, although most of it. Um, but there's all these documentaries. One of the documentaries I watched last night was on the coronation of the Queen. There was a documentary all about the service that she had at Westminster Abbey and all the meaning behind all the ceremony. I don't know if you watched any of that. But uh, what was fascinating about the Queen's coronation 70 years ago, um, it was televised, so you can still watch it, But there was one moment in the service, the most important moment in all the service, that wasn't allowed to be televised. It was the moment when the queen was anointed with holy oil. And it was the moment when, in order to stop the cameras looking, um, some servers came along and brought a sort of uh, tent covering for the queen, a roof to to shelter her, not just from the TV cameras, but from all the people that were gathered in Westminster, because it was a private moment, a sacred moment between her and God only. And it was the moment upon which the archbishop would put oil upon her head, her hands, and her heart. And it was to signify the moment of consecration of her as the queen. The moment upon which God himself pours out his authority, his power, his love, his election upon the queen. And it was signified by this oil that came in this really special uh, container that was poured out onto this little spoon and the spoon was then poured out into the queen. And that oil represented the anointing of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. A sign that God's blessing and favor is upon this one chosen person to be set apart for God to serve his people. And the queen took that moment very seriously herself. Uh, I don't know if you received one of these books yesterday, but... uh, Someone in the church ordered a whole bunch of them for us. If you haven't got one, maybe there's still some spare. That talks about the queen and her faith. And the queen had a devotional prayer book leading up to her own coronation. 
And the moment of anointing was the most special and significant moment for her that she was preparing for. And on page 31, um, she writes this prayer. She has this prayer that she said, and she says these words. By the anointing God makes, blesses, and consecrated me queen, and I am till my dying day his anointed servant. That's what she prayed. I'll say that again. By the anointing God makes, blesses, and consecrated me queen, and I am till my dying day his anointed servant. She saw her role not as in, oh, thank you, God, now I can lord it over everyone. She saw that moment as her becoming a servant, a servant both of King Jesus, but a servant also of her people. And she knew that that would be the case till her dying day. It's not just a, a five-year term or election. It's not given to her by the people as long as they approve of her or vote her in or whatever. It's given to her by God for her entire life. A chosen, elected, anointed person by the Holy Spirit to be someone who serves. It was a sacred moment. One that changed her forever. And then her anointing, this oil that is poured on by the Holy Spirit, it's a tradition that goes all the way back to King David and King Solomon in the Bible 3,000 years ago, when the Holy Spirit would come upon King David or King Solomon or any of his descendants to be the monarch that rules over God's people. And it's an overflowing, it's, if you can picture this oil that is poured upon her, the idea is it's, it sort of overflows and doesn't just bless the person who's anointed, but blesses all those who are connected to that person. This oil that runs and overflows. And oil is this wonderful sign of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if many of you cook with oil or have oil in your house, uh, olive oil or sesame seed oil or whatever. It has many, many blessings, doesn't it? It's healthy. It gives life. It can be used... Uh, it was used in the temple for burning, for, for light. It has all this symbolism of the life of God, the Holy Spirit, coming down from heaven, being poured out, giving vitality, life, health, light and joy to all the people who are anointed with it. Jesus sits on the throne of heaven and it says in Acts, that when he ascended on high and sat down at the right hand of the Father, he received the promised Holy Spirit from God. Not just to be anointed himself. And by the way, the word Christ, the name Christ. Did you know that that name just literally means anointed one? Anointed one, the one who's anointed by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, like the queen, is the original king that is anointed with the Holy Spirit and as he went to heaven and received the Holy Spirit, he didn't just say, wow, wonderful, I can enjoy the Holy Spirit and being served and being monarch. No, the reason he received the Holy Spirit at his anointing was that the Holy Spirit would be poured out through him to all his people. Just like for the queen when she was anointed in that sacred moment that she might be a servant and bless all the people. Now, 
our monarch, actually, I, I believe she holds a world record now for the longest reigning monarch ever, 70 years. I could be wrong on that. I don't know all the kings and queens that have ever lived, but I think that might be the record. She's done, she's done well. Certainly in this country, she is. And, of course, she's the monarch for our country and, and uh, other Commonwealth places around the world. And everywhere that she rules, she brings that blessing in. But think about Jesus for a second. Jesus is not just monarch of a one nation or two nations or a commonwealth. He's the king of the cosmos, of the whole universe, of every nation and every place. And his reign doesn't just last for a jubilee or two, but forever and ever. Therefore, those who are in his kingdom, those who come to him, also receive his Holy Spirit and live in his kingdom where he serves. Today is Pentecost. And the glorious good news of the gospel is that we can all have a sacred moment in our lives. That when we come to Jesus, he anoints us with his Holy Spirit. And he consecrates us as his children. And he, give us, he gives us a new life filled with the oil and goodness of the Holy Spirit. That isn't just going to last you a year or two. Isn't just going to last when you're in church or when you're in a happy place. It's a consecration and a gift of the Spirit that will last forever. Forever. That is the good news of Pentecost. Where we see the Spirit come upon all the disciples and tongues of fire came upon their heads. The sign of that oil, that new life, that light that they will give off because they belong to Jesus. Acts chapter 2 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Not just the Queen, not just the King, not just the special people, all of us. I wonder this morning, have you had that sacred moment between you and God only? No one else can watch it. No one else can do it for you. A moment between you and King Jesus where he bestows upon you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I can't answer that question for you, but we can certainly pray. Let's pray.